0: So our God is a God of action. And I believe that He his call to us is not simply belief, not simply faith, but to be people of action, people who follow God, to put feet to our faith. And these four passages this morning of the scriptures that we have read, each one of them has an emphasis on these actions and powers of God. The way that God moves forward with his plan of bringing wholeness to the world. From the very beginning of creation, that is God's plan. Is wholeness. Wholeness. And we are broken. Our systems are broken. Our community is broken. Our country is broken. Our world is broken. And God wants Wholeness. And how does God accomplish that? He accomplishes that with our help. With our presence. We are his feet in this world. We are his ministers of peace. His call to justice. That passage from Isaiah that Dan read for us. It says, say to those who are fearful. I won't have you raise your hand, but I'll raise mine. Say to the fearful ones, be strong and don't fear. God is here. He will come and save you. This God opens the eyes of the blind. He opens, unstops the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer. The tongue of the speechless sing for joy. In spaces and literal plains where there are deserts and wilderness. And maybe in our lives where it seems to be a desert of dryness and brokenness, no new life to be seen. Waters and streams will break forth and bring new life. The burning sands become a pool. The thirsty ground springs up with water. The haunts of the jackals becomes a swamp. The grass becomes reeds and rushes. There is new life. There's new life to be found. Our God, the God of Psalm 146, our God keeps faith forever. This God executes justice for the oppressed. This God gives food to the hungry. He's a practical God. He cares for our physical needs. He opens the eyes of the blind. He lifts up those who are bowed down for whatever reason, bowed down in shame. Down out of uh, oppression, he lifts them up. The Lord loves the righteous, those who desire to do good with him. The Lord watches over strangers, and he is present with the orphan one and the widow. Amen. This God, this God of Mark 7 that we just read, this strange passage. Jesus responds to these pleas of an undeserving woman, the Syrophoenician. Now she have have actually been one of the oppressors. The Syrophoenician people were, and and he responds perhaps out of um, out of his humanness, and he said, "Who are you to ask me for this? You're the one lording over us, the Jews. But you've come to me for healing." And she steps in with faith and says, yes, heal my daughter, set her free. And he does. He brings healing, freedom from this evil spirit instantly. And this man comes to him and says, I, or his friends, again, he is brought by his friends. And they said, will you heal him? He can't speak well. He can't hear. And Jesus cares for these physical aspects of our humanity. He brings wholeness and hearing to the deaf man, speech that's understandable. And, and, and he cares about the spiritual, the warfare that goes on inside of us. He frees this little girl from the demonic force that had taken over her. And then this James passage. So these aren't the words of of the Lord. They're the words from James saying, here's how we put feet to our faith. James urges us to live a life that partners with God to bring this wholeness to the world in which we live. He asks us to not just care about our faith, because I can believe in Jesus, but so do the demons, right? They know Jesus is is alive. They know Jesus is Lord. What am I going to do about it? He asks us to care about the physical needs of a person. To live out our faith. To not just talk about our beliefs, but to be a people who are working alongside of our beliefs, who are putting feet to our beliefs. To do the work of freedom. To not just be a people called free Methodist, but to be following through on those original pillars that were established in our denomination. It was the most simple thing. It sounds almost trite to, to, to believe that this was happening 150 years ago. But if you read in the, in the info packet this week, I, I put a, a message from Bishop Kendall, and he wrote about some of this. He wrote about how we are a freedom people. Now that may look differently now because we don't charge for pews anymore. But back in the, in the 1800s, to encourage good stewardship, they were saying, well, this pew will be this much and this pew is this much and this pew is this much and this pew is this much. So guess where the oppressed and the poor sat? They didn't. And when it was cold, In Rochester, New York, it was darn cold in the winter. And where were the poor? Maybe not even in the door. And so B.T. Roberts said, no more. We're not charging for pews. All are welcome. He fought for the rights of the slaves. He said, no, we're not having slaves any longer. I don't care if your neighbors have slaves. We are a freedom people. And so maybe those issues don't seem quite so relevant anymore because we're not charging you for your pews.
1: And we don't
0: own a a person who is a slave to us who cannot leave on her own will. And yet our lives are saturated in this system of injustice. Our world has been structured in a way that the powerful and the oppressor wins. And God wants freedom. God wants fullness. So how do we do that? How do we not just send our money, with a, write our name on a check and send it off to the organization that is doing the work? How do we do the work? How do we honor the people that we would normally ignore? Our, uh, our prejudices run really deep. They're so deep that we don't even know that we're we're wearing the lens of prejudice because they're so second nature. But if you begin to push into this place of God, help me be open to the oppressed. Who am I ignoring? Who am I kind of grimacing at? Because they exist. Our prejudices exist. And the Lord will begin to show you those. And it's painful to be broken of our prejudice, of our place of power in the world, How can I use my power in partnership with God's gospel message of wholeness? How can we give honor to those who we would ignore on the side of the road? How can we question our motivations when we're walking into a certain store? How can we interact with that person who comes up to us, kind of rambling in the parking lot of Meyer, and we'd rather just ignore them and get our kids in the car? and give them honor and ask God in that moment, what do you have for this person? How can I show your love to this person? To not just say, I'll pray for you, but to pray with one another. Because I think uh, Bishop Thomas this week, as I was in Indianapolis, he said, I think I'll pray for you is a Christian put-off, a way of being nice, to someone, to say, I care about you. It's genuine. I care about you. I do want to pray for you. But what would happen if we stopped right then, in the most awkward place, and prayed with someone right then? Even if we don't know them. And you may assume, I hope you don't, but you might assume that since I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to know what this is supposed to look like for each of us. What is our church going to do in our community? How are we going to put feet to our faith? But the truth is, I don't know. I have no idea. I have a million ideas. I am an excitable personality. So you put a good idea in front of me, and I want to run with it. (laughs) I am passionate, but I don't want to create a church culture where you all are doing the will of Pastor Melanie. I want us To be doing God's will together. And I don't know what that is. I want you to pray with me. Sometimes you can literally pray with me. That would be great. But to be praying. God, what do you have for us? What needs, what holes are there in our community that aren't being filled by Heartbeat and by Paula's House and by Oaks and by the Salvation Army? Or how can we partner with those missions We might not make a big name for ourselves like everybody knows the Monroe Free Methodist Church because they have this mission. But what if we all as individuals are a part of the mission of wholeness in our community? What if we don't make a big name for ourselves but but working for God, working with God, and what God is already doing in our city? I think we need to be a people who discern the will of God together. I don't want you to just sit here and wait for me to tell you where to go. I want you to pray with me. God, what do you have for us? What do you have for me? What do you have for Monroe Free Methodist Church? And then let's do it. When God begins to stir something, when something seems to be coalescing, it might be a year of just exploring what exists and figuring out where the holes exist in our community. Just just exploring and, and something. God is stirring something. And he's going to invite us to something particular. But I need more ears listening than just mine and just Kevin's or just the boards. I need each of you listening to God. And as Kevin said, I wrote this letter a few weeks ago, sharing some of, of my story with you and my heart for ministry, my, my plea for you to join me in ministry, to pray about our presence and I want, I want to reiterate that again, to pray fervently for our purpose and our presence in the community. I don't want to have the biggest events, the coolest events. I want to do the will of God. I want to bring wholeness to our neighbors. Because I believe That if we are all earnestly praying, if you really are praying at home, on your own, on your way to school, on your way to work, on the way to the grocery store, and seeking God's will, not just talking at him, then God will be faithful to show us and lead us forward. So let's begin to put feet to our faith. Let's become that church that first and foremost, we don't pray for people, we pray with people. Because I think if we are a congregation defined by real and immediate and earnest prayer, we will be transformed. We will hear from God. We will put feet to our faith. So I dream of a church on Sunday mornings where I say go in peace and you all are instantly breaking up and praying for one another because you're sharing lives together. Where there's clusters before and after church of, you know what? I'm going to pray for that right now. Can I pray with you? To hear stories about how you prayed with your friends in the hallways at school, or with your friends, or maybe not, not friends, maybe your enemies, your coworkers in the boardroom, the break room. Maybe you're in line at highlight and you have a conversation with someone and you pray with them right then and there, and the cashier just waits while you pray. Maybe you're pumping gas at Admiral or, or like I said, that odd individual just wanders up to you and seems to strike up a, a conversation like your old pals and, and you end up praying for them. God is calling us to do something, to join him in his work. And let's not just pray about it. Let's pray with people. Let's pray that he would reveal to us, discern a, a united vision That it wouldn't just be my idea of of mission, but it would be our vision for God's work in our community. And I think that the first place that starts every single week is that we are united before God. That we say the peace of Christ to you, because that is the thing that brings us together, even if we don't know one another, even if we don't hang out outside of church. The peace of Christ is here. And the grace of Christ is here at the table. And serving each of you every Sunday has been transformational for me. Because even if we don't talk, I see how God is working in you. It's the strangest thing. In just one moment of interaction with you as you take the bread and the juice, I know God is at work in you. I see how you're different. This is where we're united. We get to shake hands pass germs to one another during the passing of the peace. We get to share the cup together and the bread together. And then we get to go. We get to go and take this grace and this peace to Monroe.